You're listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast, episode number 209. Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. Business advice so easy, you'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Porterfield, and I am so thrilled that you are tuning in. I've got a question for you. Have you ever thought about creating a physical product to sell online? Maybe even adding one to your digital lineup? And if you have, have you found yourself overwhelmed with not really knowing where to start in order to bring in that product from merely an idea to something your customers can physically hold in their hands? So as most of you know, my business consists of all digital products, and I would say about 90% of my audience is the same, but I still get questions pretty frequently asking me about creating physical products and questions like, how do I know if I'm ready to add a physical product to my digital mix? Or where would I even go to get started? Or what kind of physical product could I add to the mix? So I tend to get a lot of questions around this topic, and since I'm not the expert, I thought, well, let's bring an expert on. Now, before we do that, I'll say that I've got some great friends who have added physical products to the mix and they're doing great. So we've got John Lee Dumas with the Freedom Journal. We have Melissa Norris, who was a past guest on our show. She has a book as well as digital products. And we see this over and over again with people branching out, even with coffee mugs and tote bags, and just fun things to add to the mix. So there's a lot of possibility here. So to shed some light on those types of questions and to get some valuable behind-the-scenes insight from someone who's had major success in launching and selling physical products online, I'm bringing on Laura Casey. Now, you might already know Laura Casey. She is the founder of CultivateWhatMatters.com. And if you've ever heard of the famous Power Sheets, she's the creator. She also authored two books, Cultivate and Make It Happen. This woman knows how to create a physical product and sell online. Laura's going to talk to us about how she knew it was time to launch a physical product, how she figured out and managed all the details around designing, producing, and fulfilling a physical product. And to keep it real, she's going to share with us some of the ups and downs as she created her product along the way. Now, before we jump in, this episode is sponsored by my free masterclass, The Ultimate List Building Catch-Up Plan, because whether you have digital products or physical products that you're selling online, you need an email list. So in this free masterclass, you're going to learn my proven three-stack system for leveraging the most powerful what's working now list building strategies without the stress, tech confusion, or crazy overwhelm. If you've been struggling to build your email list online and you want to figure out how to get started, sign up for this masterclass, amyporterfield.com forward slash list building, totally free, amyporterfield.com forward slash list building. All right, without further ado, let me introduce you to our special guest today, Laura Casey. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. 
Oh, thank you for having me, Amy. I'm really excited. Me too. Me too. Now, before we jump in, for my listeners who may not know you yet, tell them a little bit about who you are and what your business is all about. We are all about planting seeds. <laughs> we are all about helping women to cultivate what matters and giving them the tools they need to plant seeds of growing intentional relationships or cultivating their faith, whatever it may be specific to them. That's what we do. And we do that through several different things. So I, I founded Southern Weddings Magazine 10 years ago, which feels like another lifetime ago. <laughs> but out of that grew our business now, which is called Cultivate What Matters. We also have the Making Things Happen conference that I've been doing for nine years, teaching women the principles behind Cultivating What Matters. And I'm a mom to three. I'm a grateful wife. And I'm really passionate about helping an instant results culture embrace the power of progress. Ooh, that is good. Say it one and more time. I know time. That's your heart too. Yes, you got to say that one more time. <laughs> I will. I am very passionate about helping an instant results culture embrace the power of little by little progress instead of perfection. Oh, so good. I love it. Now you have a really popular product. So before we get into all the details, you got to talk about that too. <laughs> it's so funny to hear someone say that it's a popular product back to me because I still pinch myself. It's oh. something that I created for myself originally, and it's called the power sheets. I mean, hot commodity. <laughs> People talk about this all the time. So you've got to tell my audience, what are these power sheets? Yes, the power sheets are our goal planner, and they help you to uncover what matters most to you, make an action plan, and then tend to that little by little and take action. Beautiful. It's a beautiful, it looks like a planner. So would you call it a planner? You know, it's funny, we get to ask that all the time. And this is really your day planner's best friend. So we do call it a planner because it fits into the marketing realm of being in that same type of vein. But it's more about an action book. That's what it is. We want people to not just plan, but start planting things in their lives and to make a mess in this. Gotcha. I mean, it's fantastic. We're going to link to all the details in the show notes so people can check out exactly what you're talking about. But let's get to it because I want to talk to you about creating a physical product. Tell us what your very first product was and why you decided to create it. So about 12 years ago, my husband Ari was deployed to Iraq with the Marines. And as you can imagine, at the height of any time of war or turmoil, it can leave you feeling very anxious. And so this first product, which was Southern Weddings Magazine, came out of that pain that I was experiencing at the time. And so as my husband was deployed to Iraq, I sat on my laptop computer alone one night and just thought, oh, I just really have a deep desire to create beauty in this world that feels so broken. And that sounded like a really grand thing at the time, but it was re my real desire. And so I got on my computer and I started mocking up a wedding magazine cover. And I didn't have any formal training in this, no what? background in this. I know, just out of the blue, I had an interest in weddings and started to kind of get my feet wet into wedding planning at the time. I think I bought an ebook that was something like <laughs> Wedding Planning 101. It was 99 cents at the time. Oh, love it. But what it really was about was I was fascinated with stories of transformation and how even in the gift of a wedding celebration, you could transport people from feeling despair and hopelessness to a place of hope, um, to a place of thinking about the future. 
And so I mocked up this little wedding magazine cover and I had no idea where it would go from there. I just knew I had to create it. I had this restlessness that I'm sure a lot of your listeners may um, feel at times. And I put it out there to the world and I thought, you know what, this is something new and different. And I started a blog at the time. If you would have said the word blog to someone, they probably would have thought about the movie, The Blob, and had no idea what you were talking (laughs) about. Okay, so this was during like the wild, wild west online and blogs weren't even popular. That's right. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So I started a blog to talk about creating meaningful beginnings to married life and started sharing this idea about this wedding magazine. Long story short, it really took off. People were excited about something new and different in the South, not just talking about you know, roasted chicken and tool at a wedding, but a story and how that story could transform guests' lives. And so the first physical product I used my whole life savings for, (laughs) and um, I created a physical print version of Southern Weddings Magazine. And I, again, had no experience in this, Amy. I have a degree in music theater, no background in journalism. I just had this desire to do it. And I figured, I'm just going to figure it out. I created the first edition on Microsoft Publisher, um, which is so great. I recommend it now, <laughs> <laughs> but you got to start somewhere. So that was the first physical product. And there is something to the tangible. And I still feel the exact same way that I felt 12 years ago about that, that there is something to holding a product in your hand that has the ability to change someone's life, potentially more than a digital product that maybe they see once and forget about. But this is something people could pass on. They could pass it to their sisters, their moms, their best friends. And it really started a revolution in the wedding industry. And, you know, this is back when, too, the the only publications that were out there were really big corporate publishing houses. And then there was me and my cat in the apartment. (laughs) What year are we talking? When was this? This was 2008. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm with you. Yeah. Yep. So 2008, and that was the first physical product that I made. And if you fast forward five years from then, I had a major life change happen. Our marriage was really rocky at the time. And within that time period, five years later, our marriage started to come back together. And that led to our fifth anniversary issue of Southern Weddings being about love never fails. And so our first shop product that we sold in a more of an e-commerce platform, it was Big Cartel at the time, was a print that said, love never fails. And each of these things, I mean, I, if I told you my whole story, all of the stuff that we've created has really been born out of, out of a pain point, out of some challenge that I experienced in my life. But that was how it was more about the print was more about how could we get meaningful messaging into people's hands. It was more about the, the profit of people, not about dollar signs. Mm. It eventually became dollar signs, but it started with the heart of, if we could just get this messaging literally into people's fingertips, we believe that it would have a domino effect and a ripple effect. Yes. I love this. Okay. And then from there? From there, um, it was right around that time that our business started to boom. Like as the heartbeat of Southern Weddings started to really beat with that message of love never fails, people really started to grasp onto it. And I became really overwhelmed, (laughs) really really overwhelmed with so much work. And I had um, just had my first baby. 
our marriage was coming back together. So I was trying to balance and prioritize that. And I know you've had so much of that in your story too, Amy. It was like, how do you do it all and do it? And what I realized, the obvious is I can't do it all and do it well, but I can choose to cultivate what matters. And so right around that time, I just, I sat down at my desk one day and I thought, man, I have all these things like my Facebook page, my Twitter account at the time. I don't, I don't even think that Instagram was a thing. And how am I going to tend to all these things and make them grow? I, I would come to the end of a year and just get so frustrated looking back and thinking, I could have made progress on these things if I would have tended to them little by little. So I got real frustrated and I said, I need to fix this. And I made myself what I called a tending list. It was just a list of all of the priorities, these seeds that I wanted to grow in my life and in my business, things that I just knew if I just touched on them a little bit at a time, it would add up. So I created a set of worksheets to help me make progress on the things that mattered, tending to them little by little. And it's just like you teach Amy about it being focused on action by action. That's really what it came down to for me. It had to be about action instead of just thinking about things. (laughs) Thinking about things was not getting me anywhere. (laughs) Right. And that's when my life started to change. I started to make progress on the things that mattered. People started to see me making progress amidst a lot of mistakes. And I got an email from a publisher who had read a series that I posted on my blog at the time about goal setting and about how I was doing this differently. The publisher emailed me and that's how I got my first book contract for my first make it happen. And then my most recent one is cultivate. And so others began to ask me, to create this set of worksheets for them too. And it really took off. I love these stories where you create something for yourself and then others want it and it grows into a business. I mean, how organic can you get, right? <laughs> yes. So we have a, an unofficial yet official office motto that if you're not excited about it, nobody's going to be excited about it. Uh, and so for yes. us, we have to create the things that we use in our everyday lives the things that we need. And we just have to trust if we've done our research and we have, you know, looked at what the market needs to and listened enough that other people are probably going to be affected by it too, if we are. Now, really quick, if you created these worksheets for yourself, did you just kind of put them out there and that's how you knew others wanted them? Like, did you sell them and then hope that others wanted them? How did that happen? (laughs) You know, it was a lot of both. Yeah, (laughs) I think there was a lot of like throwing things to the wind. There weren't any shops around at the time. And there was like maybe one like Lindsay Letters is a friend of mine. And she had a shop with a couple prints in it. But there was no one that was really modeling this at the time. So we were just kind of testing the waters. I had at the time I was doing coaching for branding clients and I tested the power sheets out with them in little spurts. We would test it, the content I tested with um, the Making Things Happen conference, which we were doing twice a year. We still do that twice a year here. So it was being tested, but it wasn't like a full-fledged test in an e-commerce platform. We just really at the time had to take the risk and put it out there. I love that. So you were creating the solution to your pain point to begin with, and then your first customers were people in your local community and people who knew you through Southern Weddings and the Make Mm -hmm. Things Happen Conference who had that same need and your product was their answer. Does that kind of ring true? Okay, great. Exactly. That's right. 
So tell us what happened from there as far as you knowing that this was actually going to be a business and not just a one-off order for some friends. So for example, did you have a certain amount of workbooks? So this one in these worksheets really became a workbook, right? Yes, you got it. Okay. So did you have a certain amount of workbooks that you wanted to pre-sell before you'd produce the product? Or did you place an order that you could afford at the time and then sold online at stores or events? Like give us all the details. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I designed the first round myself. We had a designer at the time on our staff who helped me out with that too, but it was really very much in-house. And the first round was, like you said, that loose leaf worksheet set. So it was just loose leaf worksheets. I don't even think we sold a binder with it at the time. I think it was like a DIY, choose your own binder, here's your worksheets. <laughs> But we printed them at a local printer for a couple of reasons. And I think this is really important for anybody that's starting out on a product is that testing with a local printer is so valuable. First of all, you get to develop a relationship with a printer who's going to help you to navigate that process. And that was really important to us. We didn't speak this language. You know, we didn't know what paperweights were or, you know, if we tested a pen on a piece of paper, is it going to bleed? We just didn't speak that language. So we started at a local printer with a very small batch. And I think it was like 500 at first, which at the time felt like a gargantuan amount of products. And it was really scary. And I will have to stop and say this too, that I feel very strongly about the power of one. So I just thought, man, if we could get even these 500 sets of power sheets into people's hands, I started to imagine the ripple effect. So I hope that's encouragement for anybody that's starting out. Like, don't compare your numbers to somebody else. Do what you think is best for you right now. And just think about the ripple effect with this. Yes, I love that. Really scary. (laughs) (laughs) What were some of your like biggest fears at this point when you started to put it out there? So many things. I mean, the thought of just somebody buying something from us was scary. (laughs) The thought of like, we know even how to do transactions or what if someone is unhappy with the product? What if this product doesn't create results for other people like it has for us and the people we've tested it with? What do you do about customer service? How do you print labels? I think the biggest thing is that there was so much unknown. And the only way that we were going to figure out how to do it well was to do it. And to get as much good advice as we could, but at the time there were not like hardly, there weren't any any resources for shop owners like there are now. I love that you put this out there because a lot of my students want the whole roadmap in front of them and they know I'm a step-by-step kind of girl. So they'll say, Amy, just give us exactly what we need to do. But if you look back at people that have had major success, they just put it out there. And when an issue comes up, they figure it out. And then there's their process moving forward. Like customer support. I don't even have customer support, but you've got a question. (laughs) Let me answer it for you. I really feel like that's how it comes about. I think you're right. I think that if I would have had a plan, a quote unquote plan to start out with, we would have changed so much about it. Because especially with e-commerce and or selling a physical product in a retail shop, whatever it is, there's so much testing that happens. And asking yourself, is this right for us? Can we make this better? How can we put our unique stamp on this? So I feel like it's actually an advantage to not know the entire roadmap ahead because you get the freedom to change for the better. Yes, that's so powerful. I love that. Now, in these early days when you did your first print run and you've got your loose leaf pages out there, you didn't do a pre-order. You actually put the money down and you ordered a certain amount, like 500, you said. Yep. And did you sell those online or in person or both? 
we sold them online okay. um, for the mere fact that we work out of my house. Yes. <laughs> so it's a small operation and that also brought a lot of challenges with it too. So one of the biggest bumps in the road that we had with production was having a lot of manual labor to do ourselves to package the products. This is not something that our printer at the time could do. We were collating the products by hand, packaging oh, them by hand, stickering them, figuring out how to use the label printer. Did you do it in your living room? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. And what did you say? I cut you off. You said sticker to label. What was that? Yeah, we actually hand wrote out the mailing labels at first. Stop it. Oh, yeah. I mean, we are grassroots. I remember going to the post office with hundreds of boxes and the post people looking at us like, are you kidding me? (laughs) This is how it's done. I love how you built this because it's completely grassroots. Like you can't get more grassroots than that. Just starting from something really small and doing all the labor yourself. So So cool. Okay. So you really had to just get in there and figure stuff out. Thank goodness the product you created was one to help you keep organized because it sounds like there was a lot of moving pieces (laughs) for sure. So, so yes, so many people get to a place of overwhelm in the process of creating their product, whether it be physical or digital, and they just get stuck and make zero progress. It sounds like this wasn't the case for you. You just kept moving step by step even when you didn't have all the answers. Such a big learning moment. I love that. So my next question for you is, you've got your first product out there. It was validated through continued customer demand and sales. How long did you stick with that business model? And when was the next major turning point in your business? Mm, I love this question because it takes me right back to the point of taking big risks. Um, Talk to me. Yeah, so we... Well, there was a lot of big risks involved. One was at first our shop was called the Lara Casey shop. And that was just because it was my name at the time that was the heart of you know the teaching. And I was the one creating all the content and all this messaging. But over the course of several years, we realized that we slash I did not want to just tell my story. It was not about me. This product was about other people's stories, and those stories had so much power to them. So one of the biggest pivotal moments for us was stepping back and making the scary decision to completely change the name of our shop. Things were going well. That's the crazy part is that things were going really well. Sales were good. Things kept trucking along. We've had a growth rate of almost 150% every year. Wow. And at the same time, this is where you really start to get to... I don't want to call it magic, but like the real heartbeat of where I think success comes from is doing things from your core, from your why, and always being willing to take risks for that. So for us, we had this conversation. I'll never forget it. We stopped one day and we said, you know what? This name is not working. This is not about me anymore. How can we have a name that allows us to give other people the reins and to make it about them? And so we went round and round with a lot of different ideas and just kept coming back to why we do what we do, which is to help women cultivate what matters. And so we changed the name of our shop from the Laura Casey shop to cultivate what matters. And that turning point was like a huge flood for us because it wasn't about selling a product. It was about teaching people a different way of living and about changing the way that they think. And that's when things started to really click. Mm, I love that. I've heard a story similar to that where once you got really clear about the why to like another level, things do start to really click. 
Yeah. And it's easy to be complacent. Like it's easy just to look at numbers, but again, when you're looking at the profit of people, like how can we actually affect people's lives in a more profound way? You're working with a whole different set of rules there and it makes the risks worth it. I love it. So then demand became even more at that point, right? Yes. So talk to us what that looked like. Did you add more products? Did you move from local? Like give us all the details there. Yes. (laughs) So it really looked like one Thanksgiving, sitting with my family on shipping boxes for Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) Because (laughs) my living room was full of boxes. And that was like the breaking point. That's when I said, you know what, I think we have grown to this point where something needs to change. And so one of the moves we made was taking the fulfillment away from our hands and putting it into a local warehouse And that was a scary move because through Southern Weddings, we have always held to the fact that there's magic in a handwritten note. And we, I would write handwritten notes with all of the first power sheets orders. I mean, it would take me days, like hundreds of handwritten notes because of that power of one. But then you just have to, in order to grow with your business, to affect more people's lives, sometimes you have to let go of those things and choose more meaningful things that you can do on a larger scale. So one of those things that was really important to us was to have a local warehouse where we could still have a touch point there. We could still deliver handwritten notes and I could get my dining room back. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, And as far as production goes, yes, we outgrew our local printer and that the strain of the manual labor that went through that really became unsustainable for us in having so many, and there were such amazing sweet friends that helped us, but so many people come to my house to collate power sheets on my back porch all the time. It just started to not add up. So we started to look at different options. And to, to give you a little bit of background too, like we are a debt-free company, which I'm very grateful for. It's something we worked very hard for. Wow. So we didn't take out any loans for this growth. We have embraced this principle, not just in our business, but in our lives and what we teach, that it's okay to grow slow. So we have many times had to deal with sellouts, which sounds like a problem to have. It's a a blessing for sure when a product sells out. But for us, it was by necessity. We only ordered as much as we could. And in being a debt-free company and in believing that growing slow was really important to us, it took us a long time to figure out a better option for production. (laughs) And we wanted to be really intentional about that. So fast forward now, and during that bump, we started working with a company called Kodra. And Kodra is essentially like a middleman between us, the designer and the shop, and international production and even U.S. production too. And we found them through actually my book publisher. So Kodra is one of the companies that produces my book publisher is Thomas Nelson, and they produce a lot of Bibles and book content like that. And so we found a relationship with Kodra through them. And I'm telling you this because I feel like more than looking for the right price point and more than looking for the best deal, it's about looking for the right relationship. Because if you're really in this for the long haul, and if you really want it to be a product that is sustainable for the long term, then that relationship behind it has to be too. So all that to say is that the team at Kodra, they are our best advocates. And they have found us international partners and even domestic partners, production manufacturers that have really strong integrity. This was so, so important to us that the integrity of our product 
started even at production and went all the way through our customer delight, all the way down to the way we package things, that there was no stone left unturned. So that was the biggest bump for us was making that leap of faith to go with an outside production house. Oh, I bet. That's scary stuff. It's scary stuff. It's really scary stuff. But it has been so worth it. Again, to cultivate that relationship has been absolutely worth it. And we have been able to give a much more high, high quality product to our consumers because of it without the strain of all of that manual labor on our part too. Yes. Um, I'm sure that was like life changing for you. Oh my goodness. So now they're being printed in China, but you have a middleman. So you don't have to go over to China, watch and make sure everything's working properly and all that stuff. That's correct. Yeah. We, love them so much because they take such care to make sure that our manufacturing partners are also really taken care of. They are the ones that travel there all the time and they are there working with multiple clients at a time. So it's just neat to know that they have such integrity with those relationships and they're passing that on to us. Yes. So good. Now, did you have to get a business loan to move on to this next big step in terms of moving from local to international printing? No, and I'm really grateful for that. We we just grew at the pace that we knew we could sustain, but this is where we had to get really smart. So when you reach a, a certain point, I mean, really at any point in your marketing, as you know more than anybody else, Amy, you've got to get smart about your marketing. Yes. <laughs> you got to get smart. You have to have the right data. And that's when it was about four years into our process. We've had power sheets for almost seven years now, but four years in is when we started to really look at the data and we started to look at our analytics and started to grow our email list and work on these things that we felt like were great benchmarks to knowing for sure that if we could get to those key performance indicators, like having a certain number of newsletter subscribers or whatever those metrics are, that we would feel more sureness or confidence in making a larger purchase for more inventory for the next run. Gotcha. So we really had to get smart. We, we couldn't take risks with that anymore or just shoot the wind with a number that sounded good. We had to start looking at the data and making great strides towards that. And I think it's sometimes scary to look at the data. I know some of my students say sometimes they don't want to look because they're not really yes. sure what they're looking for. <laughs> and they might not even want to know the truth if they're being really honest with themselves. So this was something that you did that most people don't do. And you got really knowledgeable about what the numbers told you. Yeah. And, you know, we started with no list. You know, we started with no email list. I remember when our, our former marketing director came to us and she's like, so tell me about your email list. And I, <laughs> it was like you write about all the time, Amy. It was like, I felt the list shame. I was like, what, what, what kind of list are you talking about here? <laughs> it happens to us all. It does. But I think more so than any numbers, it was about providing helpful content for people. So we're yes. not product producers. Like I said, we're seed planters. Like first and foremost, we're about helping women change their lives and giving them the tools to do that. And if we weren't doing that in our day-to-day -day content, there's no way that product is going to be a long-term thing in their lives anyway. So, so true. So true. We had to get smart about our content too and provide helpful content. So this is fascinating. So to give us a little perspective here, can you share a quick timeline from the printing of your first workbook to where you are at this point in our chat, now producing your product in China? Yes. 
So we first started in 2011. That was the year that, like I said, my marriage started to change. I had my first baby, my daughter, Grace, and I had printed that workbook for myself to use at first in that time of feeling totally overwhelmed. Like, how do I narrow down my priorities and do something about them? And then fast forward, it was actually almost two years later in 2013 was when we produced that first batch, that small batch of, I think, 500 workbooks at that local printer for our first customers. And then the next year, we bumped up production to about 3,000. So it was a pretty big bump up. But we had had some good demand in that first year of selling them through, I think our first year was selling them on Big Cartel. And then in 2014, we switched to a platform called Shopify, which we absolutely love. Um, We're still on Shopify and it's been great for us. So we bumped up our production that year in 2014 to about 3,000. And we printed at the same printing house um, here in the U.S. But that became really cumbersome with the labor and then doing it in my house and interrupting Thanksgiving dinner. So in 2015, we sought out a really great international partner through Kodra. And we also do most of our printing here in the U.S. too for our accessory products. We um, use a couple printers. One that we love is Curry Printing in Dallas, Texas. And then Smart Press is another partner that we use here stateside. So we try to do as much as we can here too. But in 2016... That's when things started to change big time. That's the year that we changed the name of our company. And then, this is so crazy. When I was preparing for this interview with you, Amy, and reflecting on what I'm about to tell you now, kind of blew my mind. (laughs) I can't wait. I'm ready. Up up until this point, this was a mostly black and white product. And if anybody knows me, I have a very colorful product. Yes, I can't believe (laughs) it. It's like this is the really all one of the hallmarks of our company is about living your life in full color. And so we took a really big risk. I remember being so scared to put color in our product, thinking nobody's going to like this. It's not neutral enough. We're not going to reach everyone. But Mm. when you try to be everyone or everything for everybody, that's when you really miss the magic there. Yes. So we took the really big risk of putting color into the power sheets (laughs) and we put stickers in there and we started to make goal setting fun and that became our hallmark. And that's also when we embraced that mantra of if you're not excited about it, nobody's going to be excited about it. We changed it from being loose leaf worksheets to a bound workbook. And one of the other big things we did is we started to cut products from our shop. We had grown our shop under the impression, I think a lot of people do this and fall into this trap, that more is better. Yep. But once you really find your niche and you find what matters, having one central focus is really what propelled us forward. So we decided to make the power sheets the main product with everything else as a support to that main focus and system. I can't get over how many great lessons are in this podcast episode. I'm (laughs) freaking out because it's all the stuff that I teach, but you're saying it differently and putting it into a different light. And I'm just beaming with this. So I love that you shave down some of your products to get really focused on the one that was really doing well for you. And you knew it was the right fit for your audience. Yeah. And that's scary. It's scary. It's like, I don't know, like cutting things out makes you feel like you're not going to please everybody, but it had to become more about the impact. Like, could we make a better impact if that was our main focus? Could we help people make a better buying decision by giving them less to choose from? Yes. Yes. I love it. 
Okay. So that is really helpful to kind of look at how things came about and when they came about, because people are always thinking, how long does this take? And what are the phases I'm probably going to need to go through? And it's really helpful to see someone else go before you. So what I'd like to do is go behind the scenes a little bit more, and I want you to tell us what your business looks like today. So you gave us a, a little hint about, well, we know the product, but you said accessories. So I'm very curious about what yes. that means. And then also, I'd love to know about your team size, your production site, your warehouse, all that good stuff. Oh, so much good stuff to right? share with you. And I love that you encouraged our listeners too that this doesn't happen overnight. Like no. it's so it's a, it's a joy and an honor to be able to share the start of the story instead of just where we are now, because I would feel so intimidated if I just heard the end instead of knowing that it took hard work. And most of these things that were successes were because I made a lot of mistakes on the way. Another um, good one. The, so true. A lot of mistakes yeah. along the way got you to exactly so where you are today. And that's just not lip service. I'm sure if we had more time, you could tell me 10 huge mistakes that you'd oh, love yeah. to think never happened, but they did. Oh, yes. 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 <laughs> and now I'm grateful for that. Yes. But out of all of those mistakes and trial and error, we have come up with a product lineup that, like I said, centralizes on or focuses on the power sheets about uncovering what matters to you making an action plan, and then doing something about it. And we know that everybody's life, there's not like a one-size-fits-all program for everybody's life. So we have to be able to customize that for different people. So we haven't shared any of this yet, but Ooh. I'm excited to share here that for 2019, so our new release of the Power Sheets, we have some in stock right now that are six-month undated sets, but we have a new release that starts in the fall for 2019. We're going to have four covers for the one-year sets, so this is exciting for us because people have always wanted to choose like, you know, the color that matches their right? life. Yes. Um, and there's a lot of intentionality that went behind those covers too. So four one-year sets of power sheets, we have one six-month undated set. That's a very intentional decision too. People sometimes find out about us in the middle of the year and we believe there's nothing magical about January 1st. So <laughs> I like you it. should be able to set goals at any time you want. We also have another cornerstone product, which is our Write the Word journal. And it's a, a Bible journal that allows you to just literally write Bible verses. And those have been super popular for people that want to cultivate their faith. So we have seven Write the Word journals. We also have a new product we just released, which is Write the Word for Kids, five different goal guides. And this is where it gets fun as far as dreaming about if you have a core product, how could an accessory fuel that product? We have a goal guide for parents, a goal guide for friendship and relationships, one for wellness, one for finances. So if those things are important to you, that's where that supports the main product. Um, oh, lots of I other see. things. You know. I like how, so these extras all support the main product. Yes. Got it. Yes, okay. yes. Because if they detract or here's where it gets technical. If we have a product that felt like it merited its own separate launch and didn't support the other products, we would have a hard time getting people to purchase the main system that we're teaching about in our day-to-day -day content. So it can actually be a distraction. Mm, good uh, way to look at it. Okay, great. 
And then other things too, we have our goal setting sticker book because goal setting should be fun. (laughs) Yes. So I was very lucky to get a present in the mail. And I actually months ago wanted to buy these power sheets when all my friends were talking about them and they were sold out. So I thought, dang it. And then this nice, beautiful box comes in the mail. And I was so excited. So thank you for that. And when this episode goes live, I will be sure to show everybody. And also stickers. I know like... I'm embarrassed to say how excited I was about the stickers, but I was. So that well, makes it extra fun. We often talk about, you know, the stickers are fun, but this is where a research-backed, kind of a data-oriented mindset can help you create a product that's really fun. And so for us, knowing that there is power in the handwritten word as opposed to typing something digitally. There's power in marking something that's meaningful for you. Maybe that's with a sticker. We have like, for instance, stickers that say things like top priority and this matters. That there's actually something that happens in your brain when you're putting a sticker on a goal that really matters to you. And your mind starts to make decisions about that. And you start to go through a series of trying to figure out how am I going to do that? So there's a lot of intentionality that goes behind that too, but it's also a lot of fun. (laughs) A lot of fun. But I love that the data showed you that this would work. So bringing it back there. So good. Now, okay, talk to me about your team size and the positions that you have on your team. What does that look like? Yes. So we have a team of nine women who I'm very grateful to work alongside. Um, Half of them work here in my home office in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And the other half remotely. So we first have me, I'm the CEO and the visionary we use in business. We use our power sheets for business, but we also use the traction model. And that has been really helpful for us, for anybody that is starting to grow a team traction and the EOS principles have been awesome to get us organized as far as our team structure, who reports to who and how all that works really well. So I'm the CEO. We also have our creative director And this is where we kind of show our small business card. The creative director is also our chief of staff. So we get to do that when we're small. Yes, you do. Um, (laughs) We have a director of operations who mostly handles the production side of working with our production partners on the products and making sure our fulfillment team is helping our customers to be delighted. We have a graphic designer who helps with both product design and marketing design. Our customer delight manager huge position for us. Yes. That is probably one of the central focuses for us is making sure our customers feel delighted, which is why we don't call it customer service. We have a content marketing manager, a PR manager, our conference director for the Making Things Happen conference. And we're hunting for a marketing director right now. So if anybody out there needs a job. (laughs) Is it, uh, are you all local or are you virtual? We are half and half. So this is up for grabs either way. We're looking for a great marketing director. Okay, that is exciting. I hope that someone's (laughs) listening is the perfect fit or knows someone. I love it. (laughs) So really fast, when you say traction, are you talking about the book? Yes, the book traction. Yes, such a great book. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Awesome. That's so great. And the same people that wrote traction, did they write rocket fuel? They did. Okay. Yes. And I love rocket fuel. So I've talked about that guys on the show before. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. It's like, how do you do more with less? That's what it was all about for us. We wanted to stay a small team. And, and even in our 10 year vision, we have plans to hopefully just remain like 12 to 13 people. 
because we have that agility, the ability to be nimble, the ability like you to make quick decisions and act on them. Um, So anyway, the traction model was really helpful for us to be able to do that. Fantastic. And then just really quickly, tell me about production site, warehouse. What does that look like for you now? Yes, we just switched to a new warehouse in Kentucky through a company called Easy Post. Easy Post is a tech company, so they're very much focused on advancements in technology. They created a software that is also labeled the same thing, Easy Post, but they also do fulfillment now. And fulfillment means that we get our product to their warehouse and they take care of everything on the shipping side. So our system links in with them through Shopify and they take care of sending all those out. For production, we still use the same people that we've been using for the last three years, which is Kodra, Curry Printing, and Smart Press. And this new warehouse in Kentucky, the reason we chose it is there through the advancement in technology, there is a decrease in human error. <laughs> we have a lot of influxes of you know, launch dates where we sold far more than we expected to, or we had these big bumps. And our current warehouse just wasn't able to handle that without a lot of error. So this has been really helpful to work with the team that does Kickstarters and they do high production for lots of different shops that might have 25,000 products go out on a day, but they can also do our normal day-to-day quantities too. Fantastic. I love things happen. You make choices to change things up and make it better. And that has how your business has grown over the years. So many different changes, but based on needs and wants and mistakes and everything in between. So it's so fantastic to hear. Now, I have two more questions for you. And this question is about looking back. If you knew back then what you know now, what would you have done differently? I would have owned our mantra earlier. If you're excited about it, chances are other people will be too. That really is the best form of marketing that we've experienced is if it is a product or a piece of content that we need and will change our everyday lives, it's worth taking a risk to put out there in hopes that other people will too. And that's where we really get to the power over one. So I would say take risks for what matters. Yes. And then I would also say, keep making it better. I am amazed every year when we start talking about the next year's version of the power sheets or really any of our products, that there are hundreds of changes that get made. We don't just rest on our laurels. We are making it better through listening. And that means listening to our customers, asking them like, is this working for you? Hearing their stories and giving them lots of opportunities to give us feedback. So keep making it better. Never stop growing. Oh, amen to that. Now, one last question. If you could give my listeners one or two pieces of advice, if they're thinking about launching a physical product, what would that be? Mm, I would say make something that you need. Make something that you know that you will authentically be able to tell people this filled a need for me or this filled a need for my mom or someone that's close to you. It has to have a personal story behind it. People grasp onto the power of story and they will listen to you if you are being authentic with them and telling them about your product. And the other thing I would say is just what we've experienced throughout this whole six year period of having power sheets and 12 years of Southern weddings is it's okay to grow slow. Like you don't have to have the whole plan to get started. It is okay to grow slow and it's actually really good to grow slow. Good things take root over time and little by little good things, they grow and they bloom. 
Ah, so good. I'm just absolutely in love with this podcast episode. So many great little nuggets in here. And this has been a real eye opener for me as well, because I've never done any physical product, would not even know where to start. But these lessons you learned along the way are just priceless for anybody thinking of doing a physical product or even just adding a physical product to their online business. I think your story shows us that there are no shortcuts, but it can really pay off when you come from a place like you did of wanting to serve your customer well and providing them with products that can bring about change. Thank you so very much for joining me here today. And what's the best way for my listeners to check out all of your amazing products and stay in touch with you? <laughs> they can hop on over to cultivatewhatmatters.com slash Amy. Oh, perfect. Well, thank you so very much. And I cannot wait for you guys to check out these power sheets if you haven't done so already. And Laura, again, I'm so glad you were here. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do to encourage people to cultivate what matters too. So there you have it. I absolutely loved this interview. That's a topic that I know nothing about, so I was fascinated, and I hope you felt the same. I loved how, number one, you can tell how passionate Laura is about getting her product into her customers' hands because she knows that it will make their lives better. It's definitely not about getting rich, and that is not even a goal of hers, However, she's doing pretty darn well, to say the least. I'm telling you, anytime I've made a business decision solely based on money, it never goes well. So I love that she has her eye on something bigger and better and more important. And number two, I love how throughout all of the years and all of the stages in her business, Laura's consistently broke stuff down into small, very doable tasks and kept pushing ahead. I feel like everybody who's really successful with a physical product starts in their living room. I think that's just like the way to do it. I remember seeing a picture on Instagram of Sarah Blakely, who owns Spanx. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. And there's a picture of her in this small apartment in the living room, packaging all the Spanx up in boxes. The woman is rolling in dough these days. And talk about changing lives. Spanx are changing lives. So I think the way to do it is start in your living room as Lara did with sitting on boxes during Thanksgiving. There's something there. Anyway, I hope you loved this episode. And don't forget, this episode is sponsored by my free masterclass, How to Create Your Ultimate List Building Catch-Up Plan. You can get it at amyporterfield.com forward slash list building. If you are not building your email list every single day, there is no better time than right now. amyporterfield.com forward slash list building. All right. I can't wait to see you again next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com.